0: Hello everyone, you are listening to In the Weeds with Monica Jean, an agriculture podcast. everyone we're back here at in the weeds an agriculture podcast of course i'm here monica i'm a field crops educator for michigan state university extension based out of saint john and i have a co-host here again repeat offender paul gross and i also have i have a canadian farmer his name's woody van arkel and he's going to talk to us today about some of the different practices that they're doing across the border for us do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself paul
1: I, I sure I'm a I'm an educator in uh, for extension in in Isabella County and I'm I'm really actually happy to have Woody here with us today because I've known Woody probably now for 10 years plus or minus through the Midwest Cover Crop Council but you know one of the things I and he's probably not going to agree with me or he's going to laugh or make fun of me but you know I always look forward to going to meetings that Woody's at because Woody's very thought provoking. Uh, very thoughtful, very innovative, and and I always feel like I learn things when uh, when I'm around Woody. So we're we got him here. So we're going to try to peel back a little bit of the uh, the onion and see what uh, makes Woody tick. What stinks? <laughs> <laughs> makes Woody <laughs> makes Woody tick? Uh, some of his thoughts on innovation and some of the innovative things that he does on the farm. So
0: Woody, would you like to introduce yourself, please?
2: So yes, I'm I'm Woody Van Arco. Uh My real name is actually Lauret, but uh, most of the world knows me as Woody. And I'm a farmer uh, just the other side of the the big river, as we call it, uh, (laughs) in Dresden, Ontario, which is uh, about an hour out of Detroit.
0: How'd you get your name Woody?
2: That was shortly after high school. A friend of mine decided that being of Dutch descent, that uh, wooden shoes, wooden head, wouldn't listen, would fit.
0: (laughs) Oh, Okay. (laughs) There's an onion right there. <laughs> okay. cool. Could you talk about your farm, a little bit about your rotation and the philosophy?
2: I'm a second generation on the farm. My dad was uh, an immigrant from Holland. He bought the farm in 1961. I took it over in 1991. Uh, we were corn, wheat, beans. Tomato production for many years. I grew tomatoes for H.J. Heinz for 23 years until they closed their facility. I believe it was 2001. I started growing sugar beets for Michigan Sugar. I've always had an interest in sustainable agriculture. Started uh, back when I was in high school. I had a bit of an aha moment uh, plowing for my dad, and we're plowing down this year's corn stalks and plowing up last year's corn stalks, coming up black and and uh uh, charcoal looking and some of it was the fact that we probably didn't have a really good plow but the other thing was that we stopped and and my dad and i looked at that and says you know this isn't right we're doing something wrong here and uh, that's probably where it started and it's been 30 plus year journey to get to what i'm doing now
0: what's your current rotation now then
2: Uh, it's um corn soybeans wheat and sugar beets Sort of, it's a little convoluted because I have to have wheat for manure on certain farms at certain times in a no-till strip-till situation. So corn, uh, corn and sugar beets are strip-tilled, and uh, wheat and soybeans are no-tilled.
1: So how's your how's your tillage uh, adapted over these over these years?
2: Uh, so we were, like I said, back in high school, it was full conventional tillage. Uh, we switched shortly after that to a a mulch tillage system. 20 years ago we started no-tilling the wheat and soybeans. 10 years ago I introduced uh, strip till into the system and and down the road I hope to maybe even eliminate that.
0: So I understand you have three pillars for your philosophy?
2: Yes so anytime I make a decision I try to uh, filter them through these three principles and one is that I want to keep the soil covered as much as possible. I want to have a living root system in the soil as, as
1: long as possible. And I want to do as little soil disturbances. You mentioned manure woody. Do you have availability to manure? And how do you use uh, it in your system?
2: Yeah, I also have a uh, a hog finishing facility. Um,
1: that's like gold
0: manure. It's like gold. <laughs> <laughs> it <is. laughs> uh,
2: right now I am... I use wheat so the manure comes out after wheat harvest and then it's planted into a, uh, a cover crop right behind the manure application. Going down the road I hope this year to experiment a little with side dressing manure on corn uh, and wheat.
0: So we wanted to talk about a little bit of the differences between um, Canada and uh, practices here in America And I think that first point that Paul was really interested in.
2: (laughs) I was going to say your liquor's cheaper.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's important. Do you all hear that? Our liquor's cheaper. (laughs) Um, Was what the difference in kind of the structure or maybe the political side of agriculture? You you know, if you had help with, you have like an extension or how does that
2: all? So we don't have... Uh, university extension. Extension is, is done through our, our Ministry of Agriculture and Rural Affairs, who do work closely with university. I see that as a little bit of a, uh, a gap because I spend a lot of time talking to University of Guelph, which is our main agriculture university. I work some on research projects on the farm and, and hope to do some more in the future.
0: Do you wish you had an extension service? Uh,
2: uh, the, from the university?
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. Do you want me
0: and Paul is what I'm pretty much <laughs> asking. Do you wish you had Pauls and Monicas? You don't <laughs> have, have to answer, to answer that.
1: <laughs> I think I can answer it for him.
2: <laughs> I t- yeah, i take Monica. I don't know about Paul. Okay.
0: That's good. That's good. Thank you.
2: He's too hard to pick out in the field.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not much taller than he is. I get lost in corn all the time. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of wanted to ask, because, you know, we're all working to do better, right? And But I know that there's got to be things you guys do better than us, and vice versa, too. Is there anything that sticks out in your mind as practices on farms?
2: You know, as traveling back and forth with Midwest Cover Crop and things like that, it's just, I think it's a percentage of farmers is the same that mm. do better
1: practices. You just have more of them. Okay. Do you, do you have more challenges because of uh, regulations uh, in, in Canada versus that mm. we might have here? I, I think we have different regulations.
2: Uh, I know Ohio has its challenges with phosphorus applications. We're going that way, I think. Um, I think we, have, we each have our different regulations we have to deal with, so I don't think there's anything... You may have a little more leeway one w- in one sector than we do, and then vice versa.
0: So, when we look at the practices that you've developed and you know failed, tried, tried again, and had had success with, are there three in mind that you've really like cradled a grave, super excited, proud of your accomplishments?
2: And first one's kind of basic is the no-till wheat and soybeans. Uh, it's been 20 years that I've been doing that, and I see absolutely no reason to, to do any kind of tillage ahead of that. That's worked really well. Strip till has been an excellent bridge between full till and no till. It's uh, like I said, 10 years now of strip till sugar beets. Uh, I have seen no reason to to go away from that at all. Um, the combination of strip till and cover crops which um, you know, ten, uh, 30% tillage, uh, 60 or 70% cover crop worked really well. It's, it eliminates some of the risk of plant green, a little more flexibility in the spring cover crop termination and, and planting times and things like that. So those three things have worked
1: well. So you mentioned cover crops. When did you start incorporating cover crops in your system?
2: Uh, uh, so the cover crops on a very rudimentary level I've been a part of the farm for a long time uh, mostly wind erosion control but in the last 15 years or so it's becoming more more complicated or more widespread particular for
1: nutrient uptake do you want to talk a little bit about maybe cover crop species selection and you know how that has it evolved from one to multiple uh, what what process what's your thought process when you start selecting a cover
2: so the the first thing is what do I want that cover to do? Uh, I should, well, I should back up. I did start very simple, single species, uh, evolved to as much as 12 or 13. I think that's a little bit of overkill, but first of all, or first off, I'd like to decide what I want the cover crop to do. Is it going to function in that scenario? How is it going to react over the winter and and where am I putting it is it going to interfere with the cropping it's not a simple this is what I use all the time tend to use about a five or six species mix after manure application after wheat played with interseeding into corn and that's usually a one or two species Mm -hmm. I always like to have something that will overwinter in one form or the other
0: So there's roots, there's things happening.
1: There's some, it may be dormant, but it's still alive over the winter. Have you seen your soils change since you started being a little more proactive about putting covers in? Uh,
2: I think the whole system approach has changed it. Uh, Water infiltration, things like that. One thing I have noticed, and I'm not sure if this is a good thing or a bad thing, there's always been an issue with corn stock residue and no-till and not going away. And what I find now is I'm having trouble keeping some of that residue. By mid-July, sometimes it's gone. Hmm. Things are cycling fast, maybe
1: faster than I'd like.
0: So that's your biology's working pretty hard then, is that what you're... I
1: think so. Okay. Uh, You've kind of been known to, I'm going to call it innovator. I call S- it lunatic fringe. Well, <laughs> I, I was thinking that, but I'm I trying to... <laughs> To, uh, to be very polite <laughs> here to a good friend. You know, I, I know you've tried a lot. What's one what of the crazier things that you tried that you don't mm. really like to tell a lot of people <laughs> about? And what'd you learn from it?
2: I will tell you right now that I have a complete failure on a perennial cover crop strip till system to the point where I almost needed Paul's shoulder to cry on. <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> but uh, I was just, I'm trying to work towards having 30-inch cropping system with 10 or 15 or 20 inches of perennial cover crop in between that.
0: What did you try?
2: Uh, it was corn. Perennial seeded in strips after a wheat harvest last year and went into corn this year. Species selection is something I have to figure out yet. Uh, the spacing of the perennial away from the production crop. A management system. I was uh, was mowing, but I need to have a in a row mower available when it needs to be done at all times, so I'm working on dev- uh, building one of them this winter.
0: How many years were you hoping to get out of the perennial? I don't know yet. So is it that different from the corn alfalfa, you know, alfalfa establishment year with corn wide spaced and then you have that alfalfa to harvest, you wouldn't you didn't necessarily put another Crap, and you know but you you've then gotten something off the field during an alfalfa establishment and then you have that alfalfa that you're taking tonnage off of for the next am I missing something
2: it's, you're missing something oh it's, okay uh, having said that I've been thinking about there is probably opportunities to take some forages off ahead of other crops I intend on doing this with corn soybeans and yeah, wheat and I'd like, I'd really love to try sunflowers as well. So, is it going to work? I don't know. So,
0: so, would your thought be that you have those planted, and then they just stay? You know, you mow them down; they grow back. You mow them down. You don't have to really put another cover crop. In. Yeah, exactly. You can keep growing grains.
2: It's it's going to have its challenges for sure.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I'm trying it both in a an, uh, conventional and organic scenario.
1: What's what you're thinking about? You know, where the farm's going to be, what it's going to look like. Uh, uh, five, ten, fifteen years.
2: I would love to have this perennial system work.
1: Mm.
2: Uh, I just, it's, it's kind of a combination between production agriculture and, and and a pasture.
0: All in the same field.
2: All in the same field. Yeah, and and uh, you know, I'm thinking about how can I incorporate some grazing into that. I'm not sure. I'm ready to do that, but if somebody wanted to partner with on that, I would be open.
0: Mm. Um, so even yeah. though you had an epic failure. You're not giving yeah. up. You really like this idea. That's well, I I'd like to hear that I determination. I call it
2: a failure. Okay. I call it expensive tuition in the School of Hard Knocks.
0: All right. That's perfect.
2: <laughs> in one year, I learned a lot of things that I have to consider doing this. It, it, I thought it was going to be much simpler. but
1: I got another thought that just came to mind. With the experiences you've had and your, your willingness to change, adapt, try, experiment... What, a, what good advice do you have to a young farmer that's in the first third of his career?
2: I would say be open to listening. If you're interested, be open to listening to guys that are doing it, but take your time. It took me 35 years to get from point A to where I am now. You don't need to do this overnight. Eliminate a tillage pass. Uh, start incorporating a cover crop. And once you're com- comfortable with that, move on to the next step. So it You don't have to take 35 years to do it, but maybe take five to seven years to.
0: That's a great place, I think, to end. Good note. I really appreciate getting... um a single Canadian
2: perspective
0: on agriculture. So
2: <laughs> and you had to pick me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Woody, for joining us and for also coming to We're We're here at a conference, um, called underground innovation. So, um, thanks for coming over and for taking this opportunity with us.
2: Thanks Woody. Thank you.
0: This podcast has been brought to you by the MSU extension field crops team. For more podcasts or information, please visit us at canr.msu.edu backslash field underscore crops. Thanks for listening.